Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show all about building and investing in companies, featuring interviews with startup founders, investors, and operators, sharing the best insights into the world of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Eric Jacobson, founder and CEO of Lemon Pie, a podcast PR and production agency that helps brands like FreshBooks, HubSpot, and Four Sigmatic grow through podcasting. They get entrepreneurs, CEOs, and executives booked as guests on podcasts that reach their ideal customers so they can grow their audience, generate qualified leads, and drive revenue growth. They also create original podcasts for brands looking to build authority in the space, connect directly with prospects, and align their team to the company mission. In this episode, we talk all about podcasting. It was so fun to jam with Eric on this topic. And so many different brands can benefit from podcasting, which is why I wanted to have Eric on the show. As always, these show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Eric and his company, check out lemonpie.fm. Without further ado, here is Eric Jacobson, founder and CEO of Lemon Pie. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Justin. Really, really excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm happy to have you on. And there's a lot a lot of questions that are different from the normal questions because we're going to talk a lot about podcasting today. But for people who aren't familiar with Lemon Pie, tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing there. Yeah, so we started Lemon Pie four years ago. Uh, we're a full-service podcast agency helping brands use podcasting as a channel for growth, customer retention, sales enablement. There's There's a ton of different use cases outside of just like, how many listener, listeners did we get? to our podcast that we help brands like understand and leverage the podcast channel when they want to look to other areas outside of performance marketing or SEO and things like that. We think podcasting is just getting started and and a lot of brands are starting to leverage it and we want to be able to help them do that. Yeah, I love that. And there's so much to dive into within that, which we'll get to, but I want to know how did you decide to start this company in the first place, Eric? (laughs) It's a great question. Like I got lucky because I just loved, I fell in love with podcasting in like 2011. Uh, I got out of college, was working a job I wasn't particularly fond of and was traveling a ton and just started devouring business podcasts. (laughs) And just like the amount I learned from them, like I could not believe it was free. I, you know, it was just like, my mind was blown that this level of education was available in this format. And so I just became obsessed and eventually quit my job in, uh, in 2014 and just knew I wanted to start something in the podcast space. Pitched my way into a couple, a couple little contract freelance jobs with like Tim Ferriss and Jason Calacanis and a bunch of big podcasters. And then just sort of parlayed that into the opportunity that I saw, which was brands being able to either get their CEOs or executives interviewed on other podcasts as a PR channel, or eventually what we started rolling out, which is helping with full service branded production and helping them launch their own shows and just saw a huge need for it, you know, back then and even now. So that's, that's kind of how we got started. Yeah. We're not going to just gloss over the Tim Ferriss and Jason Calcans thing. So, (laughs) so explain, explain those pitches and, and what did you pitch them and what were you trying to do for them exactly? Yeah. So my initial insight, you know, when I quit my job was there's so much great 
gold content locked up in audio with podcasting. So I'd be driving. Tim Ferriss's episodes are like three hours long <laughs> and there'd just be so much there. And I'm like, okay, I can't really take notes right here. Um, I go to his show notes page and it's pretty light. And so the insight was like, how can we take that, extract those, those pieces of gold out of the audio format and put them into not a transcript and not something that's like hard to consume, but like basically a really nicely curated blog post almost, or like an ebook for that episode or something like that. And so that's actually what I started doing. I did it before I pitched them. So I actually created it for each one of those podcasts. And then I just cold tweeted them. Honestly, I cold tweeted each one of them. And, um, and that was enough, you know, showing my work before like pitching it. I actually sort of led with the 30 hours of work I had done on it. And, <laughs> uh, and that, that actually sparked some conversation and ended up um, doing more of that type of work, you know, for each of them. What were some of the the things that were included in that? Because it's something I've I've thought about as well for my own show, and I've seen other shows. Some do it well, some some don't. Some just post transcripts. There's a lot of different things you can do to repurpose that content. What did that consist of? What were some of those things? I'm just curious. So what's super interesting is um, obviously like what I was doing was looking for the takeaway moments and and sort of having those timestamps, but like um, curating the the insight into a more readable format. As you know, looking through transcripts as a podcaster, like sometimes <laughs> you know it can be seven minutes of sort of getting to the insight. There's a lot there, but you sort of need to trim it down. So that's what I was doing, but taking it a step further than my initial idea, you know, Tim specifically uh, wanted to actually, t what we were going to do originally was create an ebook from, from all of these for, for his episodes and some of the other podcasters episodes like that. Tim actually wanted to take it one step further and turn it into a book. And mm. so tools of Titans, if anybody's familiar with that was essentially, you know, extracted lessons in a cur curation format in a book, which ended up becoming like a New York times bestseller. And that, that is sort of how that can actually manifest. And this is what we talk a lot about with podcasting is repurposing your content for different channels. And a book is a channel that your podcast can be repurposed into. And that, so that's ultimately what that culminated into. Yeah. I had a, actually a conversation, I think it was last year, maybe it might have been last year with a with an, a publisher for that exact reason to think about turning just go grind into a book yes, and exactly. take out those insights you know it makes so much sense and i think even if people think about podcasting more and more even looking at people have like exclusive newsletters off of the podcast where people would subscribe because then they get insights kind of curated from the podcast episodes there's like so many ways to go about it and there's a lot of questions i have around strategies and everything with that so taking a step back for brands, companies, whether it be startups, you know, obviously I'm at a venture firm now, thinking about using a podcast or starting a podcast or even potentially guest podcasting, where do they start? Yeah. So the place to start is one is like, look across all of your channels right now, what's working, what's not. And then if you are going to start a podcast strategy, just holistically, and there's a number of things under those, <laughs> there's advertising, there's the tour where you could go be interviewed on other podcasts and then there's starting your own. And each of those have pros and cons in comparison to each other. But in comparison to other channels, you also have to look at um, how are you thinking about measuring it? And this can be a challenge for some companies, because if you look at a podcast strategy in the same way that you look at performance marketing or SEO and you measure it the same, 
it can be tough. So you, the first thing I always like to talk about is like the measurement, because as you know, with a, with, as a podcaster, like attribution is tough with podcasting. It's, it is primarily a brand channel, but brand doesn't mean it get, gets, res, doesn't get results. It actually brand is how brand marketing is how marketing like actually started. And it's incredibly effective, but it just means it's harder to measure than like each click results in, you know, person coming to the landing page, fill out a form, <laughs> they go into our pipeline and it's all just very measurable. So that's the first thing to think about is like, just sort of thinking through your, your goals with it and your measurement of it will help set you up for success so that you don't get into it two months and you're like, Hey, why don't we have, you know, a hundred new leads directly attributable from the podcasts? And the answer may not be that you don't, it just may be, may be that it's harder to measure. Um, so that's, that's number one. And then number two is to, uh, look at your, your goals as a company, your internal resources and expertise, your competitive landscape and your audience research. Those four things will help you decide if you should do a podcast strategy at all. And if so, which one out of those three that I mentioned? With those three different strategies, you said there are some pros and cons to each. I think people would find it useful to hear a little bit more about what they should be thinking about with each strategy. Totally. So we can take them, you know, one by one. So yeah. the three the three podcast strategies you have available to you is podcast advertising. So you could go and sponsor shows, get a 30, 60, 90 second read, you know, host read or dynamically inserted into the podcast. Those are just, you know, straight up ads. The other one is a podcast tour. So your CEO, founder, another executive, subject matter expert at the company can go get interviewed on podcasts or you stand up your own show. The benefit with the podcast advertising is that is the scale with which you can get and the speed with which you can get that. What you and what I mean by that is, you know, if you have the right budget, you can actually go and either work with a partner or do it yourself and just, you know, curate a list of shows, reach out to them all and fairly quickly be able to scale up you know, your brand getting heard by thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people in a fairly short period of time. The con with it is that you're an ad and yep. a lot of people skip it. And it, you know, in our opinion, it's always better to be the content than it is to be the ad. And so, um, doesn't mean it's not effective. Podcast ads are very effective, but you do lose a little bit of its effectiveness in our opinion with, with the ad channel, with the tour where your CEO or another executive is getting interviewed on shows, you're actually getting, you know, 30 or 60 minutes to be the content. So you're not pitching your product. You're providing value. You're actually, your main goal is to help the listeners do better in their lives, their businesses, you know, whatever the, the purpose is, you know, that of that show and what you can help bring to it. And a byproduct of that will inevitably be like talking maybe a little bit about your company or product and trust being built with that. So the effectiveness is higher than a podcast ad, but it does require a little bit more bandwidth to go and set those up, record them. They go live. You know, it's just, a, it is a little bit of, of a slower process there. 
but it's the same thing. You're leveraging. And in both of those cases, as I move to the third one, like in both of those cases, you're leveraging audiences that have already been built. And so that's a huge benefit in comparison to starting your own show because you with starting your own show, depending on what other audience you have, like theoretically you're starting from scratch. Yeah. And so, you know, day one, it's like you're hitting record and releasing an episode. And just because you start a podcast does not mean good <laughs> things are going to happen. And, but we do think like over the long run that having your own podcast for a variety of different reasons that we can go into, there's like seven or eight different things we could talk about how to use a podcast for, for your brand and get results from it outside of just the audience. But over the long run, we do feel like, especially as software and services are becoming more like commoditized, you know, there's just more competition. Features are more similar. One, the, the differentiator differentiator that you do have is like building a community, building an audience, building fans, you know, people who care about your brand and, and like hear the people behind the brand and trust you and you are, providing value to them every single week and some of them over time become customers. And like, we do think ultimately like that's, that's the strongest long-term strategy, but it is a little bit longer rope. Yeah. And that goes back to what you mentioned with the goals side of things and being able to understand what that is for your company and then using that then to dictate your strategy. And I would love to dive into each one of those. So starting with the ads, like you mentioned, anything you, you would suggest around selecting ads, which ones, like how many to test to see results. I'd love to hear more about that side of things for ones, you know, for companies who have the, the funds to really test out a lot of different things with, with that podcast advertising. What have you seen with this? Yeah, totally. So we, uh, we actually did an episode on our show called Brands at Podcast uh, with Glenn Rubenstein of Adopter Media. And this is what Glenn does all day long. And he provided a lot of guidance on, on it, um, you know, in terms of like the, the broad execution, but in terms of ads, like the recommendation typically is um, to start with like six to 12 podcasts, potentially, if you're going to like, quote unquote, test it, um, it's better to sort of like, don't go to 20 or 30 and don't go to two or three, <laughs> you know, because two or three, like there could be flukes, there could be outliers, what have you, like you want a, a decently statistical sample size to be able to like draw insights from and making conclusion if you want to double down. Um, so six, six to 12, six to 12 podcasts, ideally multiple spots on each one of those. And then a mid roll has been found to be like typically the most effective, which is like an ad inside of the episode, as opposed to a pre-roll or a post-roll pre-roll is one right before the interview or episode starts and post-roll is right at the end. Um, and the other thing that's cool with podcast ads is that if your brand is selling something that the founder or CEO or other people on the team just don't really have a strong case to be able to go get interviewed on shows as guests that have that audience listening to them. For example, uh, we actually worked with a client who was selling, uh, had a great business that was selling organic clothing for families and there's their ideal sort of customer persona was a mom and this was a male CEO. So he couldn't go get on a <laughs> lot of female focused, like, you know, podcasts. So his only option at that point would be to advertise if he wanted to get in front of those audiences 
that uh, those podcast audiences that ha- had already been built. So that is that was one other thing to consider with podcast ads is that you can get awareness on shows that you you wouldn't have otherwise even had the ability to. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I remember listening to an episode you mentioned that side of things that you can get that testing so quickly and you don't have to necessarily have yeah the person to do the work in terms of like having the founder go on these different shows and everything. You can just test it by paying. And then from there, you can figure out more with that. Going towards the, the tour and being a guest on different shows, how do you suggest a company goes about that? Obviously, they can work with a company like Lemon Pie to kind of facilitate that. But if they're trying to tackle it on their own, what would be some things you suggest around guest podcasting? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. We think every single company could use this. Um, but the cool thing with podcasts is that they're so niche that almost any topic that you want to get in front of audiences that care about that topic, no matter how niche it is or micro it is, there's going to be some podcasts out there that you could, whether it's 10 podcasts that you could go pitch and try to get interviewed on or 300, there's going to be something. And so we think there's there's work to be done here for almost any company. And frankly, the way to approach this, and I'm sure you can speak to this a lot, Justin, like <laughs> getting pitched and stuff, but the way to approach it and how we've been successful with it is to not not do what most people do when it comes to pitching, which is basically making it all about yourself and having a very canned, like templated email outreach or you know, DM or what have you that goes to everybody. You don't personalize it and you don't do anything nice for the podcaster. So we think like it's better to take more time on every single outreach and do less outreach than it is to do more outreach for the sake of just quantity and numbers, but not be able to personalize them or do favors for the podcaster or you know, really stand out in that way because there's only going to be so many opportunities out there. Like there may be 300 shows you could go potentially be a guest on. Yeah. But that, but that is actually a finite number. And so if you're just going to go email 50 people, the same template, then you've now lost a huge percentage of potential shows that like, otherwise maybe you land 5% of them when you could have landed 25 or 50% had you spent more time on it. So it can take more time, but we think it's better to go slower, go deeper. There's a lot of tactics in there. Um, one of them is we like, I didn't come up with this phrase, but it's a, something we've been implementing for, for a long time since day one is like the five minute favor. So if you can just take a moment and step back and be like, okay, here's the show. I've listened to an episode, you know, I've checked out their work. I understand their audience. I understand what the host is doing. What's something I can take five minutes before I hit send on this email that I've personalized and spent a lot of time on that would actually take it one step further and, and do a favor for them. So does the host have a book? Justin, you mentioned like you're potentially thinking about maybe like getting a book out of yeah. just go grind. Like, you know what we would do, what I would do is if I was outreaching to you, I would actually buy your book before I sent the email. And then I would attach the receipt and just be like, hey, I left you a five-star review. I'm excited to read the book. Like, looks awesome. And just so few people take the time to do something like that, that it's just going to really help you stand out. I agree. I think there's so much you can do within that. I love the idea of five-minute favor and the way you're wording, even if it's not yours. (laughs) I I, I love the idea of that because it's so much much I've seen from being a podcaster now. I get so many inbound requests at this point. The ones that are not personalized, the ones that haven't put any effort into it or even don't even like 
literally list your name in the pitch. It's like, <laughs> come on, like bare minimum, just just put my name in the show name. Like the the least you can do, especially when you look at like how many PR companies and stuff are, are pitching even my like smaller show on a weekly basis. It's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> like you can send out pretty easily by by literally just having something customized. And like to your point, um, I love that having a little f- favor for them. And even as looking at pitching podcasters, I think of you know, have you engaged with any of their content? Have you retweeted some of their things they're looking at? I mean, have you left a review of their show? There's so many little things like that you could do that would be beneficial. And I know if I had someone do that for me, I'm instantly way more likely to look into what they're, they're pitching and getting exactly. on the show. Exactly. And then, and then from that then, so that's some aspects of getting obviously a pitch from that. When companies, founders, et cetera, are trying to get on shows, when they're actually on shows, I mean, what do you suggest to get the most out of that experience? So a couple things. Um, one is don't over engineer what you're looking to pitch or present from your company and product standpoint. Some some founders and CEOs can get a little bit hung up on this, like you know, being a little bit overly salesy, if you will, or you know, being a little bit too um, too like scripted on their CTAs and and (laughs) just things like that, like too over-engineered basically. Like this is not a webinar. The point of this is literally for the listeners of the podcast that you're on to leave and be like, that was one of the most fundamentally insightful interviews I've listened to on this podcast in a long time. And, And they can go take stuff and run with it. And if you do that, it means that you gave practical advice that people can get value out of. And then the second thing is just being likable, like literally like just show your personality, like who you are. Um, I'm just huge on like being yourself and, uh, and being likable. And if you, if you can accomplish that, like the, the whole value prop of podcasting is that people can like hear who you are over a long period of time, you get very minimal amount of attention on social media or even YouTube even with like video on YouTube, people, you know, most people are watching a video on YouTube. I think the average is like less than 10 minutes. People are listening to 30 and 60 minute long podcast interviews. And so, you know, your personality can come out in that and and that builds trust. Um, The second thing I would say is recording yourself on video during your interviews. And a lot of podcasters, um, myself included, don't always record the video. Yep. And so what I'm doing right now, actually, as we're ta- talking, is I'm recording the video on, on my side. It doesn't have the audio of the full interview, but what I will do to help promote this episode and also just have some content that I can share on my social is take the video recording of, of myself, you know, giving some of the, like sharing some of this stuff and then clipping it for social media. So being also thinking about the same way you would with your own podcast, how can you repurpose it? I would also think about that during your podcast interviews. On that on that note cuz now it's in my mind. What do you think of video podcast versus just audio podcast? I think it's a no-brainer. I think the po- podcast uh the the podcast community can get hung up on this like they get in some like it's just some inside <laughs> baseball beef. Like, what's a video <laughs> podcast? What's a podcast? Um, yeah. To to me, to me, there's a few ways to tackle it. I do think you should create a show that is built for the format 
of the medium that you're, is the primary medium. So if you want people to primarily consume something via video, then you should, all the content should be created with that in mind. But if you want somebody to, to consume it primarily via audio and you want to capture some video so that you can promote it or get extract the some of the value from it and get that onto social or YouTube or otherwise, I love both of those, but I do think, you know, just taking a podcast that is primarily meant to be audio and throwing the whole thing up on like YouTube, like the full 60 minutes with the video is not necessarily going to get you there. It's going to be worthwhile, but it's not going to be like building your YouTube channel with that strategy. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And that's something where I've looked at that a lot with my own content and have, have contemplated doing a video podcast for quite some time. I, I can tend to gear towards simplicity, especially when mm -hmm. I was doing daily podcasts for a while, just for the pure volume of it and running a very, very small team with that. Um, but it's something to think about at least in terms of repurposing and how you, what your strategy is going to be for that. And you can see with these clips with, with video, I mean, how beneficial that can be though, just from getting people interested in the show. And one thing now I want to get to is creating your own podcast. So brands that want to you know, create their own original content, obviously it's a longer term play, but I also agree with what you mentioned. It's probably the most valuable thing you can do in, in the podcasting world. You said there's a lot of ways you can use a podcast for your brand. Take me through what you would have a brand do when they're creating their own show. Totally. So there's a, there's a few things um, to think about here and we can go a variety of directions, but first fundamentally, it's like, if you're going to start a show, you, you really need to spend some time doing a bit of audience research and competitive research. Um, again, going back to your goals, like have, let's just assume that there's clarity on the goals and there's not a misalignment on expectations with how quickly or what the podcast can deliver, but, but those are sound. Now it's time to like, most people skip this and they just come up with like an idea that they think sounds cool. And sometimes that can lead them the wrong direction that they spend six months on a podcast and then they they're they're left thinking podcasting doesn't work but we know podcasting works if it works for anybody it can work for you so the so fundamentally the most important thing is to like in the ideation phase in the strategy phase is to do audience and competitive research and literally by audience research i mean send surveys to either customers or prospects or people who pay attention to you on, on other channels and tell them, I'm looking to create a podcast. Can you give us some feedback? And you write out some questions that they can answer in a survey. And ideally you get on calls with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 of them, or two of them, whatever the number is to help inform your decision on what would provide the most value to them to want to keep them to listen to the podcast every single week and not miss an episode. And that you can deliver on that. And then the competitive research is looking at the landscape, what's out there in your category and how can you be different in combination of what you learn from the audience research, but not creating a sort of me too podcast that like has been done 10 times over, but maybe you can create one that's in that category, but has its own spin on it, its own flair, it's branding is different. The naming, um, stands out, your positioning stands out, all of those things are super important. And then once you, once you go through all, you know, that plus some other steps to get the show up and launched, um, and marketing and different things like that, how to think about the use case. This is super fascinating. 
And I think a lot of companies can can use a podcast in more ways than they actually think. And just from a high level standpoint, how we think about this is, especially for B2B, but um, essentially your your dream 100, if you, if you will. So dream 100, whether that be partners, customers, um, connections you want to make, that's one use case. So you, you can build a podcast to now have a reason to be able to talk to people you want to build closer connections with. And it's not a way to build connections with them that like is some sort of trick. Like the point <laughs> of the show is to like actually deliver value. But a byproduct of that is every week you get to talk to people who like you like to be connected with. And I've, I don't know any podcaster, honestly, you know, for the most part that hasn't had some serendipity come from the relationships they build with their guests on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and there's, there's, you know, huge ROI just from that right there. But then it comes down to uh, a few other things, which is repurposing each episode. So we actually think of a, that, that the podcast can drive the entire content strategy for a business on each of its channels if it wants to, or it can just supplement it. So every episode turns into, you know, the actual audio that goes on the podcast feed, but then it turns into an article for the blog or two articles for the blog. It powers social for the entire week. It powers video clips. It powers basically your entire content engine. And it's not you having to sit down with a blank Google doc and come up <laughs> with something from scratch. Like, you're talking to experts, they're dropping, you know, incredible information that's valuable to the audience that you want to have pay attention to you every week. And now you can do that on all of your channels and not have only the ROI of the podcast be if they listen to the episode, because some people are just not, they're just not ever going to listen for whatever reason. And so we want them to get the value of the podcast still on the other channels. And it's not just like, Hey, I talked to this person you know, go check out the episode. It's literally like, Hey, this, here's the takeaway. Here's a five tweet Twitter thread on like things you can go take and run in your business right now. And this is what was learned in this episode. If you want to, if you want to like hear the full context, go listen, but you can just take that right here. Um, and then sales enablement. This is another big one where if you, if you are not self-serve, you can do this if you're a self-serve business model as well. But if you have to get on sales calls and you frequently get objections in the sales call. There may be 10 or 15 or what have you that like are pretty standard that you know at this point, like usually one of these will come up. You can actually build podcast episodes that help the listener in the way, you know, that you want uh, so that it's not random podcast episode, but it makes sense with your show. And then um, they are individual episodes that actually help overcome those objections. So for example, we have a show brands that podcast. And when I'm talking with folks about helping them with their podcast strategy, sometimes we get like, Hey, what's the ROI of a podcast? Like that's a question. <laughs> and so we created an episode all about the ROI of a podcast. And now every time after a sales call, I can send that episode as like a fill, fill in the gaps, get them, you know, they can learn more. Um, cause it's longer and I don't have, you know, we usually don't have time to go super deep on all the sales calls. So it's been crazy valuable to have that be like an asset in the sales process that any question we get, basically we could send a full podcast episode 
over. And then frequently, like I get the feedback. Oh, that was amazing. I actually ended up listening to like five or six other episodes. And then by that point, you know, this time, this person has spent like five hours with you (laughs) outside of your call and like, just has been building up trust the entire time. And so it helps speed the sales process up a bit there. Um, so those are a few, you know, other use cases. Yeah, I will say people definitely check out Brands of Podcast. It's it's a great podcast. I've listened to a number of episodes already, and there's a ton of value in there. And on the ROI note, are there a few things from that you think that people should understand and realize beyond again looking at just oh how many downloads does this get? Like, tell me, take me through more on the ROI than part of it with podcasting for brands. Totally. So there's there's top of funnel ROI, and then there's bottom bottom of funnel ROI. And and interestingly, most folks don't even split those two out with a podcast. Most folks attribute the ROI of a podcast to the top line number of downloads or listeners per episode. And that being the measure of success. And then secondly, being, you know, leads attributed, deals attributed to the podcast in in their sales CRM. And that can be, that is where like things can start to break down because of all the other use cases I mentioned. So how we would look at this is top of funnel ROI being like, if you're using the podcast in some of those ways I described, that it's powering all of your other channels, you know, so you've got articles getting written every week. You've got social content getting, um, getting posted every single week. And maybe it's powering your newsletter and you've got the actual audio feed and maybe you've got clips going on YouTube or social organic, actually aggregating the impressions of all of those together. Because if it wouldn't be for the podcast, those things, something would be there, but it wouldn't be those things. (laughs) And so we actually think you need to look at the full worldview, like the full picture of the derivative assets that are being created from this and like the actual value of those and then tying that to the top of funnel, you know, impressions or viewers or audience that you're building over time. And then bottom of funnel is like actually taking a really detailed look at how is this podcast helping us win business? And, and, and there's a few ways you can do that. Um, I mentioned a couple, but Usually a lot of this will be tied to direct conversations because it's not usually going to go from a click to, you know, some, um, some attributable thing. It's actually going to be in conversations. So one powerful way that we found with this, if your business has this set up is if you're doing sales calls and you're using a tool that transcribes those calls automatically, like gong, for example, or Balto is another example. You can actually just, if you want, you can go to every single deal that is closed in the last month and go back to those sales calls transcripts and just search for the word podcast. And then you can actually see, you know, cause maybe the salesperson didn't tie it in during their conversation into the, into that deal. So you can just go back and be like, okay, if the word podcast is in this transcript, whether the, the prospect brought it up or whether we brought it up there's value to that. And that's either helping bring the deal to us or assist in the deal. And so we think like that's a huge way to gauge what's actually happening because it can be really hard to track it. And and that's at least a way to go back retroactively and take a look at it. And then, and then of course, like if they're actually filling out, you know, if you have a form 
on your website and it's like, Hey, where'd you hear about us? And if they like, it, you should have a drop down there, hopefully. And one of the options, you know, could be podcast. Um, and, and then secondly, for deals that you can attribute to the podcast directly, you know, that they were, they either came in through the podcast or they were assisted by the podcast, taking a look at those sales cycle links. You know, if your sales cycle is 60, 90, 120 days, oftentimes you can look at deals that were impacted by the podcast and those are significantly lower, cut in half a lot of times because trust has been built a lot faster through the podcast because they already feel like they know you. They've spent, like I said, that, you know, we've, we've had some folks who've, during our sales process, they listened to six hours worth of our episodes. So they already know and trust, you know, who we are and what we believe in and how we can execute. And that helps shorten those sales cycles. So th those are just a few things there. I appreciate you sharing those. And I think that's helpful for people. And I know as I'm thinking about what questions other people also may have who obviously aren't podcasting, I'm thinking for, for brands starting their own podcast, what are some things you suggest or things they should think about related to you know, scripted versus interviews um, versus them kind of just off the cuff, you know, the different topics that are relevant for their audience, uh, length of podcasts, different things along logistics with the shows themselves, just from what you've seen. And I know a lot of that is going to go back to the audience, but I'd just love to hear what you think around that. Absolutely. Our opinion on this is you can win with all of them and any of them. And, and you'll get some folks, if you ask other folks that they may say, well, you know, don't just start an interview podcast because there's a lot of them. Um, we actually don't believe that's the right lens to approach it. Then you you may get some others that say, um, only start an interview podcast because <laughs> if you start, you know, a storytelling script, scripted narrative one, like it's going to be expensive, take a long time, and it won't get you some of these other things. We actually believe you fully can win with all of them. Buffer's an example. If anybody wants to go check out Buffer, they did both. They've done both. They have a show called The Science of Social Media, which is, um, you know, an interview podcast, short form. They've been doing it for a long time. And it's all about, you know, social media, which is what their company helps you do. Then they went and created a five episode serialized story following one direct to consumer brand called Gin Lane. And this show is called Breaking Brand. And it was a deep storytelling narrative podcast. And there were different reasons they chose to do both of those, but they were successful with both. And so what, how we think about this is like, if you, number one, do you want to build your expertise with the podcast? Do you want people to spend a lot of time with your brand and your show and get value from it? And you're less concerned about your, you or your team being seen as experts in your field. That may help inform that like, well, you know, we actually can create episodes or a show um, with, with these types of concepts and we don't need to be the, the star, quote unquote, of the podcast. But if you want to build up your brand as being known for a topic and then also being known as experts in that topic, that's going to help inform the type of show you create as well. For example, with Brands at Podcast, we interview, we interview brands who are using podcasting very effectively every other week and then in the biweekly and then in the in-between weeks, it's just myself and our head of marketing, Jeremiah, breaking down a topic. 
because we didn't want to only interview guests and bring out their stories and case studies, which are great, but, but then not be able to share some of the things that we think we could share that would be beneficial as well. And, and there, there's a trade-off to it, but that's just the format that we came up with for it. Um, and again, you can create a bottom of funnel or top of funnel podcast. So if you are selling to an audience that you do not have expertise in, like, let's say you're selling to CFOs, but you, nobody at your company has expertise, you know, in that space in finance leadership or anything like that. You may want to create a top of funnel show that just gets awareness with as many CFOs as possible. And you're not worried about, you know, you being able to share any expertise that you have because you just don't have, you want to build up the audience on the flip side. Maybe you have deep expertise in the, in the, in the, with the audience that you're trying to sell to, and you create a bottom of funnel show brands that podcast is a bottom of funnel show. We are not getting, we sell to CMOs and VPs of marketing and, and things like that. Most of our listenership comes when people are pretty much already decided they're interested in podcasting. So we're not building awareness with C CMOs who have never thought about podcasting before but we are building awareness with them once there's intent. So it's a smaller overall listenership like pool available to us, but it's, it's more impactful with that audience. And so we just think like, honestly, it just comes down to your, your internal expertise um, and then the opportunities with com competition and audience to help inform that, but you can win with all formats. And, and we really believe strongly in that. Yeah, there are endless possibilities with it, which I'm mean, even just, just hearing you say those different things. I'm thinking of a thousand different ideas for, for Vitalize and then also for Just Go Grind in terms of what we could do. Uh, because there are so many, you know, it's a creative outlet as well and it gets you access yeah. to people, but also it can be so beneficial for the audience, which, which obviously is what a lot of brands need. They want to obviously help them in some capacity uh, to grow their business. What we haven't talked about yet, which I want to spend a few minutes on, is growing an audience distribution, these types of things for your own original show, if brands choose to do this, how do you suggest going about that? So two, two ways, two, two lenses to think about this, your audience. So your current audience, what you have available to you before you launch your podcast, whether that be newsletter, social, um, your customer database, what have you, and then other people's audience. Most people, when they think about marketing their podcast, they actually are thinking about it from that they don't realize this, but they're thinking about marketing to their audience. So posting on their social media and their newsletter and things like that, that is great, but it's only going to get you to a certain point for like that, that listenership growth, because at some point you've, you, you've reached everybody you want to reach that you currently have paying attention to you in their awareness of the podcast. So then you need to actually go and, and find other people's audience. And, and this is where like, you can use a tool, um, Rand Fishkin, you know, actually his, his recent company, Spark Toro, is a tool that helps you do this. And go type in your keyword for the audience that you're looking to get in front of. And that will pull out all the places that they pay attention to. So what newsletters they subscribe to, what podcasts they listen to, what online communities they're in, and then you just have to decide, you know, in terms of prioritization, like, and resources you have, 
how do you want to go and get in front of them? Organic, you know, so you're going to go and pitch organically or paid. So let's say it's a newsletter. You've got a hundred thousand subscribers and they have ad spots. If you have the budget, you could pay to get in front of them. And so that the other people's audience is where like the ongoing listenership growth is going to, going to come from. And one piece of that is guest sharing as well. So if you do have guests on your podcast, giving them like an incredible experience as well as assets to make them look good and feel good is, is actually going, especially for folks who do a lot of interviews is, is going to be something that surprises them and delights them and builds that connection to hopefully allow them to want to share their episode. For example, we interviewed Rand Fishkin, um, and I know you have on this show as well. We interviewed him for Brands at Podcast. He does a lot of interviews, and yeah. he actually said he doesn't share that many episodes because it just would be too much. He ended up sharing our episode with him multiple times. It's been by far the highest downloaded episode we've ever had because of it. Um, he's got like 500,000 Twitter followers and a lot on other <laughs> channels because we created some custom assets that just went above and beyond what most people do. And he was very like, he was, he was very happy and surprised, you know, by the extent that we, we went and, and that, that simple thing, it took work, but that simple thing, like got our new, our show, which was relatively new at the time in front of hundreds of thousands of new people. So, um, I would really just break it down between, you know, your audience and how to best use the podcast to either drive listenership, initial listen, listenership to it or repurpose the content to provide value on other channels to them and then other people's audience to, to actually get the new growth that you want. And there's a recurring theme here of going above and beyond <laughs> in everything. Yeah. I mean, it really does pay exponentially and beyond what, what you can do if you just do what everyone else is doing. If you just do the basics, it doesn't do as much, especially in this space. But I mean, things that stand out, again, on the idea of pitching uh, for guest podcasting and the idea of helping your guests I and mean, all these little things, they help and they add up and they make it much easier. One thing I would say too, if people, as I'm just thinking about this as we're talking is when people are, they have guests on the show, for instance, that are, you know, maybe they've pitched and they've gotten guests for their own show even, always ask for referrals <laughs> to other yeah. guests that could be relevant. It's an it's something I've, I've had the question come to me a lot of times around how do you get guests for your show? And that's one thing I always suggest when you do land these amazing guests, if you've had a good, if they've had a good experience with the interview, if you ask them for a referral, it's much more likely, especially right after, uh, in terms of it, hey, do you happen to have one or two people you think would be great for the show? Uh, something I always try to recommend to people as well. Such a good idea. Yeah. Guest acquisition, um, especially if you do a show for a long time, can uh, can be tough. And so getting those warm referrals, especially from people who just had a good experience with you is a no-brainer. Yeah, I love that. And I wanted to ask, just kind of wrapping things up, are there one or two examples you want to go through of brands that are doing a great job? It can be Sparktoro, it can be Edgar, Basecamp, whatever you'd like, one or two of these. I would love to hear examples of why they're doing a great job with podcasting. Totally. So I'll give a unique example here. Um, we're not working with them, but this is a this is a cool example. So there's a company called Drift, um, which is fairly well known, and a lot of folks may have heard of it. But it's a uh, it's a it's it's a way to interact with people on your website or potential customers. That's not a form, so it's the little chat sort of bubble that can come up, and you can you can talk with folks real time. 
huge company um, doing really well. They've created a almost a mini podcast network. And so you can go and check out, just type in drift.com slash podcast and see what they've done. They've created, to the, to my points earlier, top of funnel show. So one with a CEO called Seeking Wisdom, which is um, a sort of a catch-all, all-purpose, you know, audience building podcast with a, a well-known person, you know, running the show on it. And then they've created individual niche podcasts for every persona that they have which is very interesting. So they have a, gr a growth podcast. They have an operations podcast. They have a CMO podcast. And you can go and check out how they've done that. And I think that, that um, it's not to uh, scare anybody that the only way you can succeed <laughs> is go by create five podcasts. But just in terms of a unique angle that a company has used podcasting successfully and sort of saw the results enough that they wanted to double, triple, quadruple down on it, um, I think Drift is a good example of that, of, of almost executing every strategy underneath that, that broad umbrella. I think that's great. Yeah. So that's on the branded podcast side. And then, yeah, on the, on the tour side, um, we did, we did do an interview with Laura Roeder, who's the, the founder of a company called Edgar. And she did, uh, over the course of like two years, she did more than 200 podcast interviews on other people's shows. <laughs> And it was crazy. Like she said, um, and we've seen this time and time again too, but like she said, it was the number one way people heard about Edgar and it's hard to track, but like every time they would ask their customers, where did you hear about us? Or every time she would ask somebody in person at an event, you know, where did you hear about us? More often than not, the majority of times people would re respond to that and they would say one of your interviews on a podcast. And so her, her strategy and approach on that is very fascinating and, um, was really successful. And we did an episode on that as well. That was the first one I listened to and it was great. Yeah. I, I think it, I mean, her success with doing guest podcasting was pretty impressive and you can see why that would work, especially over time, especially if each podcast you do, if they have show notes, those can rank as well. I know I get a pretty significant amount of traffic coming to my site each month from literally show notes from every episode, even from very old episodes. Um, it's something that you look at the people who are interviewed then they can get that as well. And a lot of people, if you search their names of the guests I've had on, my show will so show up in the top five of, of you know results in search, which is another kind of wild thing to think about. And then there'll be surges when different news comes out about a guest because then your show is there and there'll be a surge in traffic. And so it's definitely worth the effort on both ends uh, of things as well. And just to wrap things up, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about Hatch as well as Lemon Pie, uh, why people would work with a, a company versus internal. I'd love to hear more about that. Mm, yeah, totally. So with Lemon Pie, you know, what we do is start to finish. So like everything I just described, Basically, we run the we run point on strat from strategy to execution to the ongoing production and guest management and marketing like full thing. Um, those are for folks who have like internal expertise, but just don't necessarily have the time to execute on it and and really want really want someone um, to help give them that that consistency and assurance that like this is going to be successful. So that's Lemon Pie. With Hatch, we actually, this is a newer company that we started. And this is for folks who have a good idea that they can run most of the podcast internally, but and they're going to DIY it, but they would like some help with the technical aspect. So we built Hatch, which is 
unlimited podcast editing for one flat monthly price. And we take the technical component off of their plate and they just know, you know, as many episodes as they, they do, they can work with us on and they can focus on the content and, and running the strategy. But we're sort of that friend there for them to like take the take the thing that they shouldn't be spending their time on, which is editing, frankly. Um, most people should spend their time on on strategy and marketing, not, yep. you know, 10 hours editing their podcast. And so that's why we ended up building that, you know, more for the DIY folks. Um, and then actually just on Tuesday, for folks who want to fully DIY it, uh, I we created a a course that went live on uh, that's going to go live next week, but um, but we announced it on Tuesday. I did with Dave Gerhart, who's the CMO of Privy, and has done a ton of podcasts. And he, I actually met him through interviewing him on our podcast. Uh, but we created a course called Podcast in a Week. So podcastinaweek.com. And that's basically a, a full deep dive into the entire strategy on how to do this yourself. And this episode will go live in a few weeks. So by the time this is live, that should all be good to go. So always when you're interviewing, it's always interesting thinking about when to actually released. Um, so people are relevant with that. But um, one thing I had a quick question on just because I looked at the stuff beforehand and I was curious. Unlimited podcasting for, for use hatch. Explain how that works then. <laughs> with yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So how it works is you submit as many episodes as, as you want per month. We work one at a time. We get it back to you in two days and you do that as many times as you want per month. And we also provide like, it's not just, Hey, send us what you want. Tell us what you want, which there is that, but we like, we are building this to be like a community and to be, um, a support system because we believe like, we believe one of the biggest hurdles that comes with podcasting is a term called pod fade. I don't know. I'm sure you maybe have heard of this, Justin, <laughs> yeah. but it's like super excited to launch a podcast, do seven episodes. Oh, this is hard. Um, I'm doing it by myself. Nobody to talk to. I, I'm just going to quit. And we believe like with, uh, with help with the technical side of things and then like community and support, which is what we're going to start building out more with Hatch as we uh, keep going with it you know, Hey, what questions do you have? Um, live, you know, weekly Q and A's, um, connecting f up other podcasters with each other to all help each other. Like this is what we're building with hatch because we believe, you know, if you can focus on the things you're best at, which is the content and, and marketing and, and get the support and technical help you need, uh, for one price, you know, that's what, that's why we built hatch. There is about, I mean, a thousand different questions I could ask. I know we're out of time, so we're going to stop there. But Eric, where can people go to learn more about everything you're doing? Oh, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. If anybody wants to email me on any of this, I love, as you can tell, like talking about podcast stuff. So <laughs> Eric, E-R-I-K at lemonpie.fm. And uh, we'll share some of the, Justin, if, if, if possible, uh, yeah. we'll share some of those links to, to everything if you want to check out other stuff in the show notes. But man, this has been great. Really, really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, this has been fun. And uh, one of my favorite episodes, I, I will say, because I love diving into podcasting uh, <laughs> strategies and everything. I think people, I mean, there's just so many, there's so many possibilities with brands that could use podcasts and uh, individuals that could use podcasts in a, lo a lot of different ways. And I've obviously seen that from having my own show the last two and a half years um, and then being at different companies I've used podcasting for as well. It just makes so much sense. But Eric, thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Totally. Likewise. Thanks, Justin. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, 
find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Gordon 212. Find me on Instagram, Justin Gordon 8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.